Welcome to the Grow Your Business podcast. Listen in as we discuss all things business, growth, and marketing with business owners, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs. And now, here's your host, founder of Roundhouse, the creative agency, Saul Edmonds. Oh, hi, everyone, and welcome to the Grow Your Business podcast. Today, I'm speaking with Paul Fairweather around the topic, exploring the creative process. Paul, how are you going? Oh, very well, thanks, Saul, and uh, great to be here. Yeah, yeah, likewise. The, it's um, it's great to talk to you. I've uh, I've for everybody listening, I don't I don't actually know Paul, but I do. I was just saying to Paul just a second ago that I feel like I know Paul because he's got <laughs> he's I'm on on his on his email newsletter. He shares really great content, and um, so but I guess like the creative process, um. This is our general topic, but I'm not sure which way we'll end up going with this, but we'll see, I guess. But for everyone else, Paul, uh, who may not know you, well, actually me included, um, (laughs) can you please uh, let everyone know uh, just a bit of a general overview of of who you are, um, where you've come from, where you're going to, anything else you'd like to add? Okay. Well, if I knew where I was going, uh, <laughs> I'd be busy doing that, I think. Um, but look, where, where, I, where I come from, I'm, uh, by profession, I'm an architect and I've been an architect for most of my career. I suppose once an architect, always an architect, although I have had a couple of attempts to leave the, leave the profession. I've been unsuccessful, um, so it's in my DNA. Um, along the way, I've also been a, an artist. I started painting about 30 years ago and uh, and that's been fairly consistent, although I must say in the last 10 years I haven't done a lot since we have we had kids. Uh, so I'm, um, I'm a father of two kids, uh, 11 and 14. I'm also, uh, I'm a writer. Uh, writing is something that's only come to me fairly recently. I failed English at school and so I always believed I wasn't a writer. Um, Although my paintings have always been about the words, uh, so there's like one one word sentences or one word stories uh, with a thousand word picture. Um, but now in my content, I marry those two things together much more much more clearly. Um, I've also been um, uh, I've developed a series of products, uh, design design things, little lighthouse and things. But I've also had a foot in the in the business camp, so. Uh, when in my architectural company, I was the main driver in the commercial sense. When I sold the practice, I became a thing called a tech chair, which was executive connection. So I, I chaired a group of businesses, non, non-design related businesses in, in a monthly meeting. And, and I've been a coach and I've been a facilitator. I was um, the licensee of TEDx Brisbane for about six years. I had the great uh, honour of doing a three-minute TED talk on the main stage in California. Uh, so, so now I'm, um, I sometimes architect, um, a much more focused artist. I'm a writer, I'm a speaker and I run masterclasses around, um, creativity and creative leadership, uh, storytelling and presentation. Um, and mm-hmm. for me, it's a, it's an aggregation of all those things in terms of the art, the writing, uh, and the, and the teaching, um, that, um, that, um, makes me who I am. Yeah, 
Yeah, I think, actually, I think I just had a bit of a realisation there about why I feel that I know you. It's because I, I sort of, I, I, I um, uh, you'd been sending out these newsletters of which, really, to be honest, I'm not sure exactly how I got on that newsletter list, but I'm kind of glad, like, it's, it's actually one of the, 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 few, <laughs> the few newsletters, you know, how you get newsletters and many of them, you just go, no glimpse or, or scan or delete and with yours interestingly enough I, I i think i think this is my theory as to why i feel that i know you because i i feel that there's um i guess in terms of being a creative person like when from my point of view when i'm thinking about whatever that might be um whether it's being a designer doing websites i'm uh, creating artwork, being an illustrator, and the various things that I do, I, I always sort of come back to the point of view that um, that it's like for me, it's always been very much about exploring the process of it, whatever it is, which is, I guess, part of the reason why I suggested the topic too, because it's an interesting um, for me the process of creating something, whatever that might be, um, is, is kind of, uh, maybe the most enjoyable part for me. And when I was looking, you know, in my little tiny little window into what, um, I saw you doing, I thought that's interesting. This guy who's, who's sharing these nice watercolor sort of illustrations and drawings in a newsletter in a way one that you don't normally see and for some reason that sort of captured my attention and feel it, it felt I guess familiar about I'm not sure why but that's that's a that's um it's maybe that's why I feel that I know you I don't know <laughs> well look it look it's certainly interesting and for me um when I first started my architectural practice back in 1991 I'd only started painting a couple of years before and I was sharing an office with a couple of guys in the city. It was the recession that we had to have. I didn't have any work. I sat there for six months looking at the drawing board. And in this building, I managed to rent a whole top floor, this old building down in Edward street as my artist studio. And it was quite amazing. It was a huge building and um, it was pre mobile phones. And I had a extension cord and I ran this, my phone line up, this light core in the middle of this building up to my studio. But I really felt guilty being up in the studio painting when I should have been downstairs working, although I had no work to do because I wanted people, you know, to think of me as an architect, not as a this arty, arty artist. And so, and it took me a long time to marry the, marry the two together. And later when I, the, my practice grew and it became successful and I became much more prolific in my painting and started showing commercially the uh, one begot the other um, in terms of the architectural practice it raised my profile as a designer uh, possibly above you know where it should have been but because people saw me as an artist but as an architect it gave me more leeway because they expected me to be more creative but but I also sold a lot more paintings. So I knew a lot of people through architecture and they all want a piece of me. Um, but even now or recently over the last year, as I've sort of going through my last sort of, you know, my most recent transition, I've had a thing about this being a speaker and a writer and still being an artist. 
Um, and, and the same thing's starting to happen. I do those watercolors and I put the, and then there's nothing about them in sale, but every other week I'll get an email saying, oh, can I buy that watercolor? I say, yeah, sure, buy the watercolor, That's, that'd be great. Uh, but I, I, you know, in the back of my mind, for some reason, I have this thing about, you know, will people take me seriously as a speaker, if, you know, if I'm seen as a watercolor and colorist and vice versa. But so to sort of, I suppose, answer your question or to build on what you're saying is, for me, uh, that's become the perfect vehicle of the aggregation of that and to do those illustrated stories, uh, which is also my, the way that I speak. When I speak, I, I do have a lot of slides and a lot of imagery, a lot of my own imagery. And whilst, you know, I could be a more powerful speaker standing up in front of the audience without any, any props, the reality is, you know, that is part of me uh, and that's part of my story. So. I'm probably, you know, doing myself a disfavour in a way and trying to be a really powerful speaker, but you know, it's really about you know that storytelling um, that I'm that I'm trying to, to 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 dig into. And look, I really do appreciate those comments about the newsletters because, you know, it's that whole thing about publishing anything. You know, you're always like, you know, yeah. a tentative hit the button. You know, <laughs> what's going to happen? And and the one that yeah. I did, which I normally post by at least Friday, I only got it to out on Sunday. And uh, although it was Sunday evening, I got as many hits as I normally get. And, uh, and I got two really nice emails on Monday morning, uh, one from a, uh, a, a business leader that I really admire. And, uh, and he said really lovely things about it. And I thought, God, I thought that one, I'd sort of missed the boat a bit. Uh, but uh, yeah. and it was very short. It was only about 350 words. But obviously, it, it hit, the, hit the, the point that I was trying to make. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think the thing too, which is, is this... I mean, it comes back to any any sort of content that you put out there, and I that yeah, it resonates with me. Um, you know, very much like a, I guess like a lot of um, you know, creative people or maybe just people in general. When you you want to put something out and you feel strongly about it, or you you enjoy it and you want to share it with other people, and you put it out there, there's always this this point of which you're like, well, like you were saying, it's like I'm I'm this kind of person now. If I do this, well, will that will that change like you know people's impression of me or you know will it be taken seriously or will it be i mean whatever when you do something for the first time but i think like the thing that that i i feel like i really know now about generally when you're publishing like your own content online whether it's it's is you know our our content like we've gone through that too you know it's like well uh, you know, what will people think? Will they, will they like it? Will it be, you know, and you don't know, there's all those unknowns, but ultimately if it, if it comes, if it, if it's, if, it, if it's from like a certain place and you're putting it out there, if it's in a newsletter or you're having a show or you're, you know, or you're, um, there's a new piece of architecture that you're building, you, um, if you're doing it from yourself in a particular way, as much as there's, there's all those cliches around that people can tell, you know, it's always really, it's, it's just obvious, you know, it's, it's people, people don't have to be necessarily educated in or, you know, or be more exposed to it. They can tell there's a certain flavor that things have. And that's like when I, I was looking at those newsletters, that's, apart from those things we were just talking about, there's that aspect of it too, which is, well, newsletters are usually used like this. They're usually used in this particular way. 
which is why everyone gets rid of them, you know, but they, you know, unsubscribe because they're, because they're pretty shitty and they're just not very good, you know, and that's just it. Like they're just not very good. Like a lot of them. And because people are going, I just want to sell stuff and, and, you know, add you to a list. And then you're treating this different, this medium like a piece of art, which which I think is really great. You know, it's just going, well, you know, for whatever reason that you ended up doing that, it's, it's kind of wonderful because you're putting it, um, newsletters for me anyway, are usually like best if you're using them for marketing, it's best because you, you don't usually read them. You don't usually read a lot of the content in them. You usually they're visual and you go, okay, I'm going to click on something and go to a website or go to a podcast. But then with yours, I think what I found really interesting is you do read them and most of them you don't you just go well that's pretty boring i'm not gonna you know <laughs> so i mean I'm, I'm not sure what that means I, it, it just essentially means that it's good content yeah well that's well, th- well thanks for that as i said i you know i, I struggled as a, as a as a writer and now i'm sort of finding a way it's interesting you say that because i i had a look i i i, I cobbled my, my i don't know quite how you got on my list because Everyone I put on my list were people that I actually knew. Um, <laughs> no, no, I got on your list. And so, but maybe there's a few that I didn't know very well or, you know, I thought they might be sympathetic ears. But I put a guy on my list who was an ex-client of mine and he's pretty well retired now. And and he did have, an, uh, you know, and, it, and, it, and it's a knife to the heart every time I go to the list and see who unsubscribed. And if I don't know them very well, I think, oh, well, that's okay. But if some people I go, I just like... What are you doing? But anyway, this guy had the he 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 sent me an email and said, "Look, I just want to let you know that I'm um, I'm semi-retired now, and uh, I just you know I, I'm not really interested. So I'm just giving you the courtesy that I'm going to unsubscribe." And I said, "Look, that that's fine. Let's get together for coffee sometime." But what I wanted to say to him was, "Just keep on and look at the pictures. <laughs> you don't need to read it. You know, just look at the pictures like a." Like a penthouse, you know, or not the penthouse, for the articles, you know, like the reverse <laughs> of that, you know. But uh, he, uh, yeah, he unsubscribed, so I, 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 did, I did lose him. Uh, but, you know, I, like, I, I think that the way I put them together is partly na- naivety because I didn't know uh, how you were supposed to mm. do them. And the only way I could do them is the way that I've been uh, you know, exploring my own creativity in writing is to tell stories. And so, and that's probably exactly the best way to do it. Yeah. So I, I try to tell stories and, and then, you know, use those stories to, to illustrate a point. Um, I'd like to be more uh, defined that, you know, the, the weekly podcast is the same as the newsletter, which is the week's theme for the watercolors. And, but I, 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 I try to do that. Sometimes it works, but mostly it doesn't. Um, they tend to be the most recent watercolors but not always. And I'm in the process of writing a book now, which is really going to be probably an aggregation mostly of those newsletters and, and other articles I wrote earlier. So the one I did on last week was actually an article I wrote for the Brisbane News about three years ago. And, sorry, the, for the um, New Farm News, New Farm Village News. And I wrote, and I took the story about my son's first word, which was Erdl. Uh, oh, I saw that one. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I saw that, which, which was really turtle because I was trying to do this thing about, you know, communication. It was really about my son going, sure, sure, sure. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was having a secret hope. So I keep on asking the same question until he goes, yes, please, I will have that rather than just sure. 
but my wife jumps in and says, you know, he'll have that. I said, no, I'm, I'm trying to get him to talk to me, not to stay sure, sure, sure. And I was a bit, a bit short of imagery, so I had to do that um, metaphor of the foreshore, uh, of a watercolour of, of the noose of foreshore. <laughs> so uh, just playing some, some games. Yeah, um, isn't it funny, like, how, how things that, that are either misinterpretations, like this is, is that sort of evolution of things that are either unintentionally kind of turned into other things, they end up becoming a thing in themselves. I always remember my um, my wife Jill. She uh, she said it's like an ongoing sort of joke in our family about how when she was maybe like four or five, she thought that when someone would say human beings, it was a human beings, and so she for for years as a kid she would sort of try to find an association between not having anyone sort of explaining to her that, that we weren't part of the bean family, but <laughs> that she sort of said to me, she was like, like when I was a kid, I could sort of, you know, I would sort of struggle to try to find an association somehow that we were like beans. She said, yeah, I, I could sort of see it, you know, I could sort of see that there was sort of some association between us and, and like the Bean family, yeah, at a stretch. <laughs> and, is, that, uh, is, that, is that Mr. Bean? <laughs> I just like, you know, just like a baked bean. You know, I was like somehow, somehow we re- were related in um, many millions of like eons ago, I mean, you know, to the Bean family. And, you know, here we are today. Yeah. <laughs> it's an ongoing <laughs> joke, but it was, it's its own then thing for her. Is this sort of evolution of, of not being pulled up on like, nah, we're not part of the Bean family. Like, come on. <laughs> you know, I'm just going, no, no, I can see it. You know, it's the so, uh, in, in that article, I, I did speak about some of the words. So my son and daughter, they both, one, one called, we got these big, big louvers, electric louvers, and the other was the dimmers. Uh, and they both called them the gloomers rather than the dimmers. Uh, and then they called the end of the bread of the French bread, the nozzle. Um, and so, you know, which is really sort of, uh, you know, uh, you know, an interesting, you know, thing that thing that we, that we do. Uh, but I, I always love, there's a, if you ever read um, the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, yeah. so Douglas Adams wrote a couple of books, co-authored with someone else. And he took, uh, all these really strange named places, mostly in the UK, and he um, paired them up with words or, or things that didn't have words in the English language. And, and I, can, I can never remember uh, the words themselves, but the ones, the two that I really loved that's always stuck with me was one was uh, the coolness, the cool of the opposite side of the pillow. Um, so when you get when you turn the pillow around, you get the cool on the side of your face, uh, and and the other one was uh, the act of cleaning up before the cleaning lady comes, uh, which which uh, which I think might have been spot off uh, some place in the UK. That's fantastic. So, yeah, so that I think that whole wordplay thing is something that I'm sort of very I'm very interested in in uh, in telling in telling stories. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I like that sort of stuff too. It's it's a actually it's kind of a good. Um, I mean, what you were saying before about how you kind of um, had been an architect and then you had this kind of process that you went through, 
you know, being an artist and a designer and speaker and a writer, I sort of had this, uh, or have, have had this idea in the past and just wanted to get your thoughts on, on, on this point too, is like we're talking the, uh, the general broad topic of the podcast is about um, the creative process and sort of exploring that idea. But I, I always feel too, like apart from the process of what you do, you know, sort of how you do it and, you know, how you kind of um, either improve skills and, and change and like other things more or what have you, like is it, is then the creative process also then I guess how we evolve? Like it's not only the the what you do and how you do it, but then it's it's how we evolve. It's like I mean what you were saying before that that point of where you're becoming oh well you're not becoming something else, but in one sense you are. Like you don't necessarily know what it is or or at what point you're going to get there. There's, there's no real plan for it, but it, that influencing factor about, um, you know, either then having children or, you know, wanting to do something, um, having like some great affirmation from some friends or sort of wherever that is. What do you think about that? Like that the creative process being our own evolution, I guess, as, as, as creatives. Oh, look, I, I think it's, it's, um, you're 100% correct. And I suppose it's one of the things that I, uh, you know, I focus on, uh, partially because of my own journey. I'm in the process of setting up a, uh, a men's program called Rough You and Men. Uh, and the working title was Creative Well Meaning Men. And it's all about uh, men, you know, past, past middle age. Uh, who to reconnect with their own creativity because I think what happens is there's two there's two streams one is a stream like you you know like yourself uh, who have uh, taken the, the creative path uh, and so you have this evolution of of the things that you do and how you think but there's a lot of other people out there and a lot of people that I work with the first thing they say to me is I don't have a creative bone in their body but they don't understand creativity because then I, if I ask them and I do a bit of a mean trick when I do a presentation, I show all my work and my painting and my projects and my architecture. And, and then I say, uh, who here thinks they're creative? And, you know, hardly anyone puts their hand up because I'm, you know, I'm trying to make a point. And I say, okay, who here likes problem solving or new ideas or connecting people and connecting things? And almost everyone shoots their hand up. And I say, well, that's creativity. Um, yeah. And I, I'm very much of the view that, uh, to to have a, a creative outlet in a in an artistic sense uh, or a design sense helps us in the other areas of our life and that helps us open the creativity. Um, one of the focuses that I have in this in this men's program is about really you know giving them a good shake and getting them to wake up to about what their creative essence is. Um, I think of it more not as a startup because uh, there's you know enough twenty year olds doing that, but this is a finish up. Uh, this is where where we where we end up, uh, you know, in the later part of our life, and it's about a about a, a re reinvention. Um, but over the years, and there was some stuff recently that's been republished. There's been these studies, and the stuff that recently was actually about Nobel Nobel Prize winning economists, and they did a study of the ages of the economists that won the prize, and there was two groups, two distinct groups. One is uh, in their late 
20s, early 30s, and the others in their late 50s and early 60s. And they've discovered it's the, the, the two different types of thinking. Um, and so for the, for the uh, people in their 20s, it's, it's conceptual thinking, conceptual creative thinking, where they can seemingly pull new ideas out of thin air, you know, just come up with things, uh, with new, new concepts you know, out of a young, a young brain. On the other end, at the, at the finish end, uh, it's experimental uh, creativity, which is really about uh, taking a, a, a lifetime of, of knowledge, experiences, uh, and putting them together in different ways to come up with, with new ideas or new solutions to old problems. And, and there's been over the years, I think it was in the first and the 50s, 60s that this was described and it was uh, crystalline thinking and fluid thinking. And it's why older people are, are, better, are better teachers. Um, and there's been another study of, of startups again. And the, whilst there's many more successful startups uh, from, from the you know, younger demographic, the actual percentage success per you know, population um, uh, age groups, you know, people are more likely to be successful in their 50s and 60s doing a startup or, or finish up than if you're in your 20s because they have the connections, they often have the money, they have the experience. Uh, it's just that there's less of them doing it because you know, they're, they're stuck in jobs or you know, doing other things or they've made the money and they're just retiring. But, uh, you know, so, yes, I, I, think it, I think it's right. And, you know, I know in my own experience, it is very much that thing of that evolution. Um, I, I, I also think there's a lot to do with fear in here as well. Uh, uh, and I, I just wanted to add that, you know, what I said before about if you, if you experiment in a creative, you know, it's a sense, it's a safe, a safe place that you can experiment. You don't have to show anyone, you have to show anything, but it gives you that experience of creating something new, which is you know, where the fear is linked to, because fear is, comes from you know, anything that's new, you know, stepping into a, a new cave when we were you know, early man. You know, that's why we're here is because we didn't step in the cave, we were, we were cautious. I know for myself, I'm a, you know, I, I'm a relatively okay artist. Uh, I have some skills in that area. I still get nervous posting on Instagram. I get nervous, you know, if I'm hanging a show. Um, and I know that same nerves in the last couple of years I've been doing stand-up. Uh, now, I'm not, you know, I don't have the same experience and skill set. That's, that's, pretty, that's pretty brave for... Well, but that's it. But it's the same yeah. sort of fear and feeling in stepping yeah. onto that stage as it is, you know, posting a picture on Instagram. So I understand and I think that a big part of the creative journey is getting over that fear or under that fear or around that fear, wherever it might be. I'm reminded of that book, We're Going on a Bear Hunt. If you've got kids, you've ever read it to it. You know, we can't go over, we can't go under, we've got to go through it. And I think that what, what you know, locks people up or, or freezes them is this, you know, this fear around creativity. And, and whether that's someone that is experienced and for some reason you know, has, a, has a lapse or you know, they, get, they get stuck in the writer's block or it's someone that... Jeffrey wants to do it, but just is so so afraid of it. Um, and you know, my message is that the fear is the same. And you know, if you if you talk to any performer, you know, even the most famous performers in the world, say they feel the same. You know, every time they get on stage, they, they feel anxious. You know, they you know, it's that whole thing. We we can't get away from it. Um, so I think that went on its own little journey there. That's uh, all. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I mean that's right though. I I. I 
hundred percent agree. I mean, I, I would probably go so far as as to say, like, I guess also from personal experience with a range of different things, like that. I I never I'm I'm never not um, whilst I might feel confident in things and like you know confident in you know certain skills. I think there's a part of of being nervous about things that is is quite healthy because in my mind it always means that it's important to you like it's it's important it's if if i wasn't um if i wasn't nervous or maybe like a little bit sort of trepidatious about something if i'm you know going to to speak in front of a group of people or like you were saying like show something or then even even so far as as like in in sport because i've 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 always had this this very strong um, feeling in my mind, even though people are like sport, art, you know, they're two different things. For me, physical movement and sport and things for me, there's, there's, uh, I've always, I don't know, I've always like seen these, these sort of really similar lines in sort of creativity and how you do things in sport um, and also in uh, the creative industries, but like even then in sport, when I'm, I'm like a squash player, right? So I, every time, every time I play squash, without fail, I'm always as as confident as I might be. I'm always that little bit anxious, but I kind of like that. I mean, if if I was too anxious, probably no good. You know, it's probably like you were saying, like there's an element of um, of f- freezing people up. So that's probably not great but always being that little bit anxious about going on the court i like it always makes me you know it makes you uh gets the adrenaline going and it makes you like sort of excited about things and i i like that um you see that's interesting that's an interesting analogy because you know in the squash court you're you're very much thinking inside the box there uh (laughs) because of the nature of the sport somebody else said that to me recently too yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm amazed. Yeah. That I, I used to play squash, but I don't know where uh, the last squash court I went to is in down in New Farm. It's now a yoga studio. Uh, it's a great space yeah. for yoga. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, that is the is the fate of like many squash courts. I mean, it's it's still it's still popular, but it's it's not a it's a sport that like I'm 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 pretty I'm pretty um, passionate about about squash and other sort of martial arts related uh, you know, things too. I, I've, I've always seen this real, you know, there's a lot of things that I look at uh, in movement and even shapes too, because I sort of, uh, this is just me. I mean, I, I, I look at playing squash when I play, it's obviously movement, but when I look at it, I see, I see shapes and I see angles um, yeah. because it's also, I mean, it's very much a game about angles too and you're in like a certain so yeah. for me that's always been something that I really love about it is sort of like playing chess but in a physical form and you get to have this really dynamic movement but there's a lot of you know sort of creativity and flair that you can you know put into it in your own way like there's a very strong you know that sort of self-expression but what you were saying before I I, I mean very much um agree with too the um well i mean every every second person perhaps when you say oh i'm i'm not very good at drawing or i'm not a good artist or like i could never do what you do they'll say well you know same thing 
It's like the real creativity is, is, you know, that thinking about it and problem solving. And I mean, um, I can't think of like a, a specific person off the top of my head, but the amount of people that, that I've sort of known and friends and other people who are like really, I would consider to be, who, who, who aren't artists or in the creative industries that I'd consider to be like why, why more creative people than perhaps, you know, other people. But at the same time, I think everyone kind of has it within them. Really? Like I actually very much feel that the people, everyone does. Look, I, I agree. And it, and it, and it comes back to a little bit what we're talking before about, you know, the, sort of relatively unique style of my newsletters, which is, you know, sort of deliberate, but sort of an accident. And it's that whole thing of we all have our own styles, you know. I'm, you know, I look at, you know, and I sometimes fall on the trap and look at Instagram and look at some of my friends' watercolours and, you know, they're more precise and, you know, I think, oh, God, you know. But then they, they comment to mine, I go, I love your work, you know, it's so loose and it's this and it's that. And it's that whole thing about, you know, being who you are and I and I and you were just talking before. I was just actually talking with the group before about creative energy and energy. And um, uh, there's a uh, I don't know if you've read any Haruki Marukumai, uh, a Japanese no. author, uh, one of my favourite authors. Um, but he's also a, an ultra marathon runner, and he's probably in his mid late sixties now. And he has an incredibly strict routine every day he gets up at four o'clock in the morning and he writes for like four or six hours and he has some lunch and you know but in the, in the afternoon he always goes um for a uh, for a run a 10k run every afternoon um and i in the last year i started running i've never been a runner and i did a my own half marathon around new farm park soccer oval i ran around the oval 50 times uh yeah. to clock up my 21.1 kilometers um <laughs> And for me, uh, it's, it, it's really tapping into this energy. And for me, it's the same thing as this, is this creative energy. And, and I know that, you know, over 10 years when the kids were little, um, I was doing stuff, but I wasn't, you know, immersed in it. Uh, and, and it's sort of like the difference between us being a spectator and being on the field. Uh, and, and I find that, you know, now, my creative energy, you know, if I let my physical energy go down, then my creative energy goes down as well. Mm. You, you sort of can't have both. Um, and, you know, and it's, and I don't quite know. And I suppose, you know, artists that end up being alcoholics or, you know, drug addicts, say they're fueled by a different sort of energy, which eventually leads to destruction mm. uh, as opposed to the other way. But I, I don't know if I can, uh, I can certainly feel it and I'm passionate about it, but it's this, this thing about this, you know, the essence of my own creativity and also physical movement. Um, and maybe it's because when I used to paint uh, large oils, um, I, it used to be a very, very physical process for me. Even to the such was that, you know, I would, I remember once buying a whole lot of brushes and after a week they were all down to stubs and I took them back to the art shop and they went, oh my God, you know, oh, these are definitely faulty. You know, here, take these ones, these are much better, you won't have that problem. And at the end of the next week, I realised that I was wearing the brushes down because I was so energetically painting, you know. Mm. And so, and watercolours, 
is not the same and that's my sort of current medium because it's it's so accessible it's so easy i can do it you know in the desk here in the studio or i can do it on the kitchen bench or i can do it in a coffee shop you know it's really easy and oils are messy and you, you know got to clean up and you know everything like that and mm. you know, but there's i i i and i think when i'm you know listening to you uh, you know about squash and i used to play squash and i used to love it i can, i can sense that you know it's 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 just part of our 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 you know energy spectrum you know on mm. one end it's creative and the other end it's it's physical uh and you know and and we put stuff in there and for the physical end it's you know it's food and water and it's vitamins the other end it's you know it's inspiration it's stimulation but it's just you know it's just a band you know it's all it's all part of the same continuum in my mind um, yeah i think the the thing that i've i've had uh, probably highlighted a bit more recently for myself too, as as I've been, you know, playing squash again because I hadn't I hadn't played for many years, and and then I returned about two years ago, and and it's only then even more recently that I've been really, you know, saying to myself like I really want to get to, I mean, just as a personal goal, like I want to be a certain a certain standard or a certain sort of squash player as as just a personal you know squash sort of goal. But the funny result of me doing um more training in squash but you know sort of unrelated to work in the business and you know things that you know roadblocks that you have in your creative process or just like running a business and managing stuff the funny end result that i've actually found trying harder at squash and having real regularity because i've been trying to play most most days and doing more training and the result that i've been having of being really focused in squash and i think like you know reasonably focused in things but probably not as much if i was to be honest not as much as um squash at the moment um as as just me but is that i had this realization the other day about like you know you always know the importance of regularity of say if you're doing and then repetition you know it's it, it's it's a huge part like when we had had done i mean a martial arts for years of just doing drills up and down and going up and down doing like 100 front kicks then like 100 punches and then going back and initially um, some people are incredibly boring what's the value in that and then you come to a point after that like i have them with squash of then really seeing the benefits and it's kind of a, that point at which, you know, passion kind of meets just um, lots of practice, mm, just mm. doing things lots, mm. you know, just doing things over and over and over again. And you've got an idea in your mind, like I had about in squash of going, I want to hit, I want to get better and better and better at keeping it really tight to the wall. But ultimately at the start, uh, sort of, eh, you know, average then doing it then one day you go i i actually am getting better and <laughs> but there. but then what that did was it sort of it, it sort of opens up this different or it it did for me anyway it sort of allowed me mentally to kind of be more creative in than in squash um because I sort of gotten over that. I was like, okay, well, I'm at a certain skill level now. I don't really have to focus on that in the same way anymore. It's freed me up to be 
I guess, more creative. And that realization when I was analyzing what I'd been doing has actually has helped in like exactly the same way in thinking about different processes in work in work within the business, like managing projects and different things. It's given me a different perspective on it. Mm-hmm. Actually, it's interesting that when you, when you spoke about, um, you know, that repetition in karate, it reminds me of, you know, those scenes from karate kid, you know, wax on and wax off, Yeah. you know, and then also the brush, you know, up and down, you know, and, yeah. and he's always frustrated, you know, you're just using me as slave labor, you know, what's this got to do with karate? And, yeah. and then eventually he hits him and he's like, you know, and, he, and he's got the movements. Um, look, I, I find it interesting. I, I'm an early riser and I, and I do my best writing first thing in the morning and my best watercolors. But I also like, uh, we've got a Labrador, which I've got to take for a walk and a run. But I also like running first thing in the morning. And uh, unlike Marika Hamakumi, you know, I, I, I don't seem to be able to run in the afternoons. And it's a competing interest, you know, like it's very difficult for me to do both, to do riding and running. You know, as she's talking about, they're talking about running riding, uh, which is obviously a different thing than, than what we're talking about. But, or, you know, running riding or riding running. And, but I think that I, you know, probably, you know, probably riding in my head if I'm running, you know, early and not riding. Yeah. But, you know, it is just energy uh, that we have to um, direct somewhere. And, and I think it is about a balance. I, I talk about, um, uh, you know, instead of, you know, work-life balance, um, life-work imbalance uh, because it's about putting life first uh, and work is part of life rather than, you know, seeing, and the imbalance is not, you know, two words, it's imbalance because it's always, there's always a tension there uh, and that tension's got to exist and whether that tension is, do I run, do I, do I write, you know, do I paint? Do I work? Do I, you know, do and those things? It's all just part of, you know, the energy quotient that we have that we can give to the world. Uh, and, you know, running is exhausting. Um, painting all day is exhausting. You know, writing all day is exhausting. They're all exhausting. Um, and whilst one might be more, you know, mentally exhausting than, than, than physically, it's got the same thing. You know, you, you're knackered. You know, you've got to lie on the couch and you know, have a little nana nap or, you know, a, yeah. uh, a combat kip uh, to, to get going again. So, you know, in my mind, uh, you know, you're talking about the process. It's really about that uh, energy. Um, I, I'm currently reading uh, Bill Bryson's latest book, The Body, uh, A User's Guide or something it's called. Mm. Uh, and if you've ever read any Bill Bryson, he's got such a way with words. But he's been talking about... Um, the mitochondria and ATP, which is this chemical, which is where all our energy comes from. Mm. And, and it's partly stimulated by ions outside and inside a cell. And when they sort of, one goes inside it, it creates a buzz and it's a tiny little electrical current, but per meter, it's the same as a lightning bolt. Um, and, and I don't quite know how the maths work on this, but he says that in your body every day, you will generate your whole body worth worth of chemical of that weight of this ATP, your whole body weight in one day. But at any one time, you only have 60 grams in it in your in your body because it's constantly being used. And it's basically, you know, it's a, it's it's life's battery. And I think it's what happens is that 
you know, basically when you die, um, you know, if you stop breathing, then that stops producing and you only have 50 grams of it. And so then your cells immediately start dying as soon as they're not getting oxygen as, you know, as part of that process. But it's this whole idea of this sort of these little things that are, are this, is this energy. And it's like the same thing with creativity, you know, and, and you, you've got to continue to use it and it's back onto your point about practice mm. if you don't use it you lose it you know and whether that's the skill or or the you know the the, the mindset i know i know you asked me um for a um a quote uh towards the end and and it's just one's come to mind that is really relevant to this yeah and it's um it's from shakespeare from king lear and it's nothing will come of nothing uh and what it's about is it's really about you know, one of his daughters doesn't give him the praise and adoration he expects, so he cuts her out of the will. But it's not about that. I first read it when I read an article about um, about Boyd, a famous Australian artist, mm. and when he was still alive. And he used that as a mantra every day, that he, when he faced the blank canvas, that nothing will come from nothing. You know, unless he picked up a brush and started work, at the end of the day, there would be no painting. And that for me is a little bit like saying before about, you know, going on the stage or going on a squash court, that little bit of nervousness mm. that this great artist, uh, Arthur Boyd, that every day he felt that same, you know, fear of starting or something. That, and he knew that, you know, to get something, it had, you know, he had to start, you know, otherwise if he did nothing, then nothing would come from it. And for me, that's, you know, that's a, a powerful mantra. Yeah, a, because he used it and it's such a, it's such a reminder, uh, especially the 10 years when I probably wasn't focusing on you know, the, the, my real skill set, uh, that, that, you know, I, that nothing was coming from it, you know, uh, and um, it raises other questions about, you know, conscious creativity, you know, we, what are we producing and is it, and that's one of the things I think I like about the watercolour, you know, it's got a much smaller uh, carbon footprint, you know, a large painting, you know, ha has a lot of, a lot embedded and you need a bigger wall, you know, everything's bigger, but a small watercolour, you know, is quite, you know, almost transient, you know, it's, you know, and it's got a, such a small, small footprint, which is off. But for me, that nothing comes from nothing is the uh, quote I'd offer up. Yeah, today no, that's a great listeners. one. It's a, that's, um, that's, uh, I think also maybe the two with watercolours then too, or, or anything that take less time is you can see results then more quickly too, can't you? Yeah, you can see, you can see, and you don't have to go through this long, arduous process of things being changed and it's not working out right. It's done and you put it out there. And I guess maybe a little bit like the different sense of satisfaction you get from doing things like in real time, it's got a start and end, like say a squash match, like, you know, sport, you don't have anything tangible, like to hang your hat on but you've got this process, like it's all, all the process and you've obviously end up winning or losing, but like the enjoyment that you get out of it or whatever you actually get up get out of it in terms of learning and sort of evolving as a result of that, like individual game is, is all, all process. And I, I don't know about you, but I, I think, I think for me, like the, whether it's, um, uh, creating a watercolor or or having like a squash match or or doing any any creative kind of pursuit where you're putting creativity into it 
there's a part for me that is always of kind of really needing to embrace as hard as it is, like as hard as it's, it's hard to sort of embrace the likelihood that you're going to, you know, screw up or, or that like something's going to just not work out well. Like you kind of just need to need to do that. And that, you know, flows into that quote too. Like you, you need to be doing, you know, even though the likely, like you don't necessarily um, know the results, like you mitigate the likelihood of, of having a result that you're not going to like because you're doing it more. So you're probably going to be better at it anyway. Um, just because you've been, you know, doing a lot of watercolors, you just get, you just naturally, there's no way that that doesn't happen is the more you do something, you just get better at it. Yeah. Actually, it's interesting. I, I'm, I'm basically pretty well self-taught uh, for my painting, but I did take lessons from a guy who's this retired art teacher from BBC in his garage for about a year doing oils and I wanted him to teach me watercolours and he refused and he said look you have such a loose style because I've done some already and he said you know just continue that and anyway, I wouldn't listen to him so I, I, I got some DVDs or I might have even been VHS tapes back then and a couple of books and you know had these lessons and he was dead right you know it really stilted me and it took me a long time to unlearn that but he said that what they used to do is they used to always do eight at a time because watercolour is such a fluid um, um, and almost accidental medium that you had to do eight just to get at least one really good one, um, yes. which, which is was sort of interesting. And, and part of my journey recently, and, I, and I'm just changing the focus, I've, I, I've been doing a watercolour a day and I've been posting every, every, every day. I'm not posting every day now because I, I'm just I'm trying to – I'm still doing a watercolour every day, but I'm just not posting every day because uh, I want to you know, be a little bit more selective. But years and years ago, I, I, I had some um, sort of success in painting and I was, it was a very, it was a very happy, sad moment. I was shortlisted for the Archibald Prize in 2001. And that painting was a tribute to a friend of mine, in fact, my best friend, my best mate who died the year before. So it was fantastic that I could honour him in this way. And he was high profile in the art world. And that, you know, one of the you know, main reasons it was hung, but... Uh, as one of the, the judges and one of the, the board of trustees who I knew said to me, who also knew my subject, said, look, if you, you know, if you hadn't have done it, it would never have been considered. So, you know, like you had to be in it, you know, to win it. And I, I didn't win it, but I, was, but I was hung. And up until that time, I'd been painting and I did a, some landscapes. They're mostly still life. Um, and all of a sudden I did a painting, which was a double portrait because you can't paint, you know, posthumously. And so it was, a, it was in reference, a reference to my, to my friend that had passed away. And when I did that painting, um, it, it had real meaning. You know, I had a painting that had real meaning, had meaning to me and meaning to you know, other people and you know, meaning to, to the Board of Trustees of the New South Wales Art Gallery. And I found it very difficult to come back and paint bowls of chilies and apples and things, you know, because all of a sudden mm. it, it, it didn't seem to me to have, have meaning. So... Uh, a very good friend of mine, an artist, Yenda Carsons, who worked a lot and we did some collaborations together. She gave me some fantastic advice and she said, just go into the studio and play. So I said, okay, I'll, I'll do that. You know, and she said, don't think about showing, you know, just do it for yourself. Just go in and play. Um, and it was 
the best advice I ever had. Mm. And I got in the studio and I, and I got into it and I just played with colour and form and, you know, went back and forth with, you know, older subjects and things. Um, but what I did then was, uh, which you didn't actually give me advice on, but I know what advice would have been is I just showed all that work. Uh, I didn't curate it. And that was a mistake because that was really, that really wasn't the work. That was the process. And it's back to, you know, your sort of a point. Mm. I, that was a process I needed to go back to get myself back in touch with my, my art. And um, it wasn't really the end result. Maybe a couple of them could have been. And, and it was probably my least successful show on a commercial sense because it was, it was me trying to find out who I was rather than me being who I was, which is something, again, you mentioned earlier about, you know, this, this you know, thing of, you know, self-finding ourselves in, in our art or our creative pursuits. Um, so, yeah, so I really, uh, you know, that, that sort of resonates with me about this, this thing of doing the watercolours. Yeah, it, it's as, as important, though, um, too, I think, like the, having that experience, though, then, too, like is, is I think, it, you know, equally, equally as important as, as having, having then I mean, a more successful show because it makes you, you know, it's like if you're a, you don't know what what something is really unless you know what the it's it's not, you know too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, like it was, it, it's it's all part of the journey, and I and I look back on that, and it and it's sort of you know a question you asked earlier, and I've been sort of mulling over it. It you know like you know the ten years when I didn't do a lot of painting, you know at times I regret that, but you know, I immediately snap out of it and go, you know, I am, you know, who I am because of where I've come from. Yeah. And, and that's all been part of the journey. You know, the, the exactly. sabbatical, the sabbatical is being part of it. One of the things that I teach when I talk about creative leadership, um, I do a thing which I call the creativity irons and it's a plan word I O N S. So it's inspiration, action and expression. Um, but they're ions because an ion is a, you know, is a, 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 a charged particle, a negative or positively charged particle. And that's what like salt, you know, is ionic bond between um, a sodium and chloride. Uh, and, and so the sodium chloride is salt and that's an iconic bond. And so and my thing is that it's always the flip side. So with inspiration, there's always distraction and with action, there's always procrastination. And with expression, there's always trepidation. And those things live together and they've got to be together. And whilst we try to have a, an orientation towards the more positive aspect of it, the reality is it can't live without the other side of it. And, you know, we talked before about, um, you know, action and we have a bias to action. You've got to still procrastinate. You know, at times, you know, you can't work all the time. You know, at times, you've got to rest. Um, expression you can't express yourself without having some amount of fear um it's got to live there and it gives you that some of that creative tension gives you that energy to get over it and go forward um and inspiration is also you know you you seek inspiration and invariably you'll run down a rabbit hole and all of a sudden you're distracting and oh my god i've spent five hours on instagram looking at <laughs> yeah you know, funny yeah, dog photos right. you know whatever it might be uh, but they all live together, you know, and that and that's one of the things. And so for me, you know, maybe I procrastinated a little bit too long, um, but you know, but but then the action comes, you know. And at some stage, you know, I will procrastinate because I have to. You know, it might be linked to distraction. It might be linked, you know, to trepidation. 
Um, and then, and so that, that's to the core of these things. And whilst I say positive and minus, positive and negative, they're not really positive and negative. They're bound up in the same thing. You know, they're like the negative and positive ions on the outside of this cell that, you know, when they go inside, you know, they create a reaction which creates life. You know, it's the battery mm. of life. And this is the same thing. You know, we, we and, and unfortunately, you know, especially when you come back to the fear part of it, um, a lot of artists, you know, over the years have not understood this of themselves, that the process that they're in is one about creating something new, which comes with it by genetic, you know, inheritance and anxiety. Uh, because, you know, we don't know where we're going. And one of the first questions you said to me, tell me where you've been, what you're doing, where you're going to. Well, I don't know where I'm going. <laughs> and that's where, you know, I get anxious. A lot of artists don't understand that. So what they do is they self-medicate. They go, oh my God, I feel anxious. You know, and they go down the myth of the the tortured artist, you know, oh my God, I'm sensitive, you know, I better take heroin or drink a bottle of scotch. When really if they stood back and went, you know what, it's just part of my job. You know, my job is, comes with anxiety. I've just got to live with that, you know, to move forward and to create my art. Uh, and look, and in the masterclasses I run, I, I unpack it further, you know, to the real negative and positives and, you know, distraction becomes addiction and, inspiration becomes ideation, you know, and, uh, and, you know, and down the bottom end, trepidation becomes isolation, but really uh, that expression becomes satisfaction and eventually gratification. So it's this, this bias towards mm. the pot of, but not leaving them, you know, you can't, you can't have one with the, the other. It's the yin and the yang. I, I think I've got, uh, it's not there. Well, I've just actually read an article about it. I have a yin and yang goldfish drawing that I did. You know, it, you, you, you can't have one without the other. You know, they, they live together. Oh, no, very much. I mean, it's, it's all, yeah, and, and, and all those that, I mean, philosophy and that way of thinking is, is then, I mean, once again, just getting back to the you know, core, core things that I always find flow through most, you know, if, if not all things from physical activity you know, to when you're creating or, or when you're thinking, there's always, there's always, you know, two, two parts to all things. And it's a bit, it is kind of a bit misleading. I think like you were kind of saying in a way that when you're talking about things that are negative, there's an automatic response that, you know, because it's negative and, and you've got positive, therefore you don't want to go towards the negative because it's probably bad and there's going to be pain and sadness and crying or whatever, you know, <laughs> sort of like ouchies, like fire, you know. And But then at the same time, you it, it is kind of misleading because like, like you can't have one without the other and, and, and you can't know, you know, it's like you, you don't really know what, you don't really know what, um, you know, light is or seeing light or actually even seeing anything without knowing that there's dark when there's no light. And, you know, yeah. you wouldn't, if, if, if we never had, if we never had darkness, if you never had night, you'd never appreciate or understand light because there wouldn't be anything to compare it against. Yeah, it'd always exactly. just be, it'd always just be light and just be like, oh, well, there's, there's, there's light. There's no dark so you wouldn't even understand light you know, because yeah. it wouldn't be it wouldn't even be a thing it'd just be that that is that you know it's sort of yeah no look exactly and 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 it's just it's just about you know n knowing it it's an awareness to go that you know like it's it's okay to have a rest occasionally you know 
it's okay to put stuff off. Like one of the things for me, and you know, I don't know if you experience this, that you know, I often do my best work when I've had time to think about it, and I'm either painting or writing in my head before pen or brush goes to paint to um, to uh, um, paper. But often I, you know, I feel I'm procrastinating, but I'm procrastinating in a in a good way. Um, it's different to a procrastination when on Saturday afternoon I'm you know, having my my uh, combat kip and, you know, after 20 minutes I wake up and go, oh, I might just have another one. <laughs> yeah, that's procrastination. That's, you know, that's a yeah, different that's a thing. Different you know? sort, yeah. That's a different sort of and, – and the same thing with the fear, you know. We, we, we've got to live with the fear but not let it overtake us, you know, not let us, uh, you know, freeze us to, to inaction, you know. And all these things, whilst they're paired, they all relate to each other and particularly inspiration and trepidation because, you know, I know that as soon as I get an idea, you know, I get that, oh, my God, you know, you're stupid, how are you going to do that, you know, oh, that's going to be too hard. Like, you know, fear starts speaking as soon as you've got, you know, so as soon as you've got the light, there's the dark there. Yeah, you've got your ego. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I yeah. mean, that was the, I was, I was always the one thing that I think, you know, not that it's necessarily made me, um, you know, like I'm, I'm some sort of expert at this now, but I, I know it helped when I first, um, cause my wife and I studied, um, illustration at um, Queensland College of Art when we first, um, you know, before, um, we had our, you know, uh, after school and we went to university and we met there when and I remember the first lot of sort of drills, I'll call them drills because that's what they are really, it was sort of exercises, um creative exercises that were designed to and did did their job in snapping like most people out of one kind of uh habits that they already had to um, you know, leaving your ego a little bit more at the door about like you coming into an environment going, I'm a good, um, you know, I'm really good at pen and ink or I'm really good at this. And you've probably arrived at Queensland College of Art because like you're reasonably good at something. So like do a whole heap of exercises that, you know, snap you out of that. And they were those things like we do. I think one of them was doing a hundred drawings within a very short amount of time. And you have to draw one thing, but you have to do like a hundred of them or um, the other one, uh, like using other materials that you've never used before, like just using paper um, to create like a whisper to a shout. And you've got like five you know, things and you can't, you can't draw on it. You can only manipulate it, like tear it, crunch it and trying to like snapping you into a different way of thinking, which in my mind was always about once again, like getting back once again to similar things in, you know, things like martial arts where you have certain activities that sort of are designed to, to um, help leave your ego at the door a little bit. It kind of helps you along through that sort of process that you're not as, as focused on it being, you know, an incredible outcome or anything like that. You're just, you know, being more focused on the process and being in the moment, you know, having a more of a, you know, I suppose if you wanted to use a different word for a like more of a Zen state that you're focused on the activity itself, you know, which ultimately I find anyway, that kind of leads to good, good results that you end up being happy with and like good growth 
if you're in the moment and you're mm, just kind yeah. of, you're just, and it's not always, I mean, that's sort of easier said than done. Right. I mean, like it's, it's not like, <laughs> that's like always an easy thing to do when you're trying to go, you know, I want to do this and I want to be a certain sort of outcome. It's hard like to separate yourself from that, but those kind of activities that put you just in a, in a, I guess like a mental state more than anything about repetition. And that's, that's what it's like, what I guess, you know, um, different breathing exercise, if you're talking about yoga and other things like that are about, they're putting you into a certain mental state to focus just on that, that thing mm-hmm. and like nothing else, which then when you get in that sort of state, then it's easy to leave your, like your ego behind because the ego is like, you know, not even the same room. It's just, it's like, Hey, what's up? You know, <laughs> it's like, dude, hello. You know, and you're like, and, 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 and you're just focusing on that thing, which is always generally very relaxing you know, when you can be, when you can do that mm. and it's, you get a good, you know, sort of flow and energies in sort of the right place. Um, but uh, we, we've, we've talked about a lot of different um, things, I guess, in relation to the creative process, Paul, or just as, as one of our um, sort of last things, as we move to, um, to wrapping up, I suppose, um, I would, because um, I know you were talking about um, creative leadership too. If you could just like expand, I guess, as our last point about um, your your thoughts on the importance of, uh, and I guess why why you're doing that in terms of creative leadership, and for people listening who might be, um, I guess, not really familiar with that idea. Who, who is that usually, uh, is there a specific target audience for that? Or is it, is it for people in, in, in business or, or anyone or creative people? Yeah. Okay. Well, it's an, um, a, qu- a quick snapshot. Uh, look, it, it's for every, a- anyone. And I run a monthly online uh, class. I think the next one, 16th of September for four hours. And you know, some people come there from from business, uh, and some people come for a, a you know a personal leadership. Um, the the importance and the and the overlap with creativity is, I see the three main jobs of a leader is to take a team, or if it's self leadership yourself, from uh, fear to confidence, from confusion to clarity, and you know from sort of you know from a challenge to uh, create a vision for a, a better future. Uh, for all, so they're the three main jobs, and the reason the big sort of overlap with creativity is, as we've already spoken about, is that fear, uh, particularly, and also the confusion and the and the problem solving, is also inherent in the creative process. Um, and for a creative leader uh, to be truly creative, uh, whilst he's got to lead and appear confident to his team, uh, he's also got to stay longer in that level of anxiety and fear and understand it. So I work with uh, executive teams of executive leaders. So, you know, in a business, partly so they've got a, a language and a dialogue that they can have around that 
while still showing up with their teams, you know, with, with confidence. So, um, so that's the sort of, you know, the, the basic of it. And what I do is I, I using uh, drawings, uh, a drawing, because drawing, you know, symbols and, um, and images, you know, we, we decode them differently in our brain, our, our subconscious. So I go through a process using drawings to get people to envisage, you know, where they are to where they want to go. And then to look uh, at that to see what's got to change for them to get from where they are to where they want to be, or if it's you know a, a much sort of broader thing is to what's the story, what's the story that you're telling your team to where you want to go to, you know. So it's the story arc. Um, so 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 that that that's the thing. The the reason that it's so important is that you know it's that whole thing, and I can't you know, remember where the quote comes from, but you know I think it was Einstein. You know we can't. We can't solve the problem using the same tools that got us into the mess in the first place. Uh, the world has has changed dramatically, uh, and you know it's no longer business as normal. So, you know, it's not just about you know the old A type leadership of you know, you know, do as I say, not as I do. You know, you know, go forth. You know, leading leading people in the battle. You know, now we've we've got to be you know much more much more creative, and we've got to take those those skills um, and, and uh, understandings that we have of creative process and apply those to our you know, personal lives and to our businesses to, to get them to change and to you know, be able to have them show up differently you know, in a very different world. Um, so does that answer your question, uh, Saul? Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. No, thanks, Paul. That was great. I, I was just there uh, uh, because I know, I guess from, you know, where more familiar i guess with where i mean creativity meets um some of these other um these other subjects too but i'm I'm just aware also that like a lot of people you know still like we touched on earlier too like people think of creativity as you know you're being creative you're self-expression you know painting art but it's much more than that and and I mean, I just wanted you to talk about that because that, that's a, I think it's a really important point. It's always, it always has been and like always certainly will be something that is very, very close to my heart that I, I always find very, um, very important. And I guess like almost like a level of frustration too when I see people when or, or have people who, who say that and who go, I'm not creative. I go like, that's the, like really, you know, you gotta you gotta change that way of thinking because, like everybody is, there's there's the sort of part of everybody that is very much like that, and it just manifests itself in different ways with different people, and the like amazing creative thinking, problem solving, or crazy problem solving skills that are just you know look at people and go that is just amazing they're just you know or it comes out in in sports people you see this like you're you're an artist you know you can you can see it like the way that they approach a a physical you know problem is is like like nobody else yeah 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 no look look i agree and i think it is important and i think i think um you know i think creators have a you know a lot to offer uh, in the world, and it, it's it's needed. It's really needed now uh, for us to uh, yeah, to reshape. Yeah. 
So have you got have you got for us another quote, Paul? Another <laughs> quote, another another quote. Now that you used your quote up, have you got another one? I've got another one. Look, one that I really love, which I uh, it's uh, Sarah Bash Barnard. I think her name is. I get that wrong every time, but. My good friend and co-host of TEDx Brisbane, Carl Ingram, used to always have it in the front of his map magazine uh, when he had it. And it's the world needs dreamers and the world needs doers. What the world, what the world really needs is dreamers that do. Uh, <laughs> that's so, great. Uh, I love that. Yeah. That's so excellent. That's, yeah. And I suppose what I would say is, you know, part of that doing is not just, you know, is also the getting out there and expressing, you know, that's, uh, that, that's it. So, uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. So I'll just... Um, just before we finish up, could you just let everyone know um, once again, uh, well, or just let people know like how best to get in contact with you, yep. um, where you, where you are online, and yep. any other details you'd like to share? Yeah, sure. Listen, uh, my uh, the best place to find me is at my website, which is www.paulfairweather. One word. That's uh, F A I R W E A T H E R, as in the beautiful day that it is today, dot uh, com. So uh, paulfairweather dot com, and that has links to most of my things. That has a link also to my creative portfolio and and my architecture website. Um, I'm on every. I'm on Instagram as everythink, T H I N K, which came about because it's the way I say everything and. People used to give me a hard time about it, so I thought, oh, I'll just make it my thing. So it's everything, uh, which is mostly my my, my daily watercolors. Uh, but if you go onto my website, there's a there's a, a link there if you're interested in receiving my newsletter. Uh, you can scribe up there, or you can just drop me uh, an email. Um, is it Paul at paulfelder.com, and I'll whack you on the list. Yeah, or or you might just appear on it like me. Yeah, or you might just turn up. You you might be lucky enough to turn up already. <laughs> and and I'm glad. And I'm glad. I'm I'm, I'm glad that that happened so mysteriously. Um, and so so once again, like thanks, I mean, so much, Paul. It's been really great um, to have you on the podcast. Appreciate it. Yeah, well, thanks all. I've really enjoyed it, and so it's been great to finally virtually meet you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so with that in mind that's actually it for today guys right. thanks so much for listening into our podcast before we go please leave your feedback as well as any suggestions for topics you would like us to discuss in any future episodes thanks again for listening to the gray business podcast and we'll see you again soon bye guys thanks for tuning in to today's episode of grow your business have a great day and we'll see you next time here at the grow your business podcast